Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, well, I'm glad you guys are here. We're going to be having some fun today. Hey, I want to give you a heads up. Uh, We have added something that should be a benefit to you. Um, The app that I keep telling you about, that you guys are like, oh, stop talking about the app. Because it's cool. It's usable. Uh, In fact, last week we had 27 people using the note sheet on the app because you can type and save it and bring it to your connection group. You don't lose it. And so, uh, again, how to download it. It's on the website step by step uh, to do that. But it's very usable. Now we also have worship songs. Thanks to Andrew. It says lyrics, right, on the bottom of the, yeah. It says lyrics on the bottom of the app. Just tap that, and each week we're going to update it. So you don't have to, you know, fake it and just kind of do this during worship. You can actually sing the songs and know the words. So the lyrics for worship each week are on the app. So if you want to look at that, that's how we're going to provide it for now until we move inside. Speaking of moving inside, Riverside, I don't know what color we are, but we're a better color than we were before, right? Is it red or something like that? That's better. Oh, purple's bad. All right, red. That should be opposite. Red sounds worse than, okay. But uh, so here's where we're at. Just so you know, you could be praying for us as we got a lot going on. Uh, the school right now, in the next few weeks, we can use the NPR room. Uh, and so uh, we'll be evaluating that as far as do we have the equipment to, do we know how to use the equipment in there? The outside's uh, nice in some ways. Uh, and so we'll let you know if we're going to be doing that, especially as we talk to children's ministry. Uh, because they probably will be using the outside. The children's classes will be the last thing that they'll open up. So those won't open up right away. So the adults will meet in there, and we'll probably use children's ministry out here. So that's kind of the plan the next few weeks. We'll communicate with you, letting you know what's uh, what's going on. Pray for all of our ministry team leaders. We're ordering everything now. Signs, what's the color that we're going to use for the, the church? Um, you know, we need wisdom as far as um, there's some talk of maybe us being able to do storage here on campus. But there's a lot of hoops we have to jump through versus getting a trailer. Do we buy the trailer? And all of a sudden they say yes, and we got to sell the trailer. Like all these logistical things. Uh, and just making sure financially that we are smart with what we purchase and we don't purchase. So we don't waste the money that we've all invested. So be praying for our ministry team leaders the next two weeks. We're going to be making a lot of decisions that we hope are the right kind of decisions there. So um, we really appreciate that. Here's the other thing is uh, connection groups. Such a joy. If you're not in one, uh, such a great encouragement. Uh, those are going. You can sign up still online or you can talk to Laura Lee or myself and we'll get you in a group. Uh, serving. We've been a little slow to sign up. I don't know, Laura Lee, the, the latest updates, but um, we're lagging on, on sign up. And so we need to confirm that because we are going to start launching some ministries as we get going here, especially as we have our like public launch. We actually tell everybody like, hey, we're open, uh, you know, wants to to join officially, all that kind of stuff. So we need to start organizing that. And here's what I want to encourage you. Please don't make it difficult for your ministry leaders who do this out of the love of their hearts. They get a high five every few weeks. That's about it. They're doing it because they love the church. They love you. They love Jesus. Don't make it hard for them. If they call you, email you, uh, don't I'll answer it later or act like you didn't see it or anything like that. Really reply. But um, we're giving you the chance to sign up. Because if you don't, we're going to sign you up and you're in. So that's, so it's one of those things of like, if you don't sign up, you're like, oh, they didn't see us. No, we're going to track you down and we'll put you in a ministry. So if you want a choice, sign up for a ministry, but especially within children's, uh, because we're going to be launching that soon uh, as we go inside. So children's ministry is really going to need some solid teams there and getting going there. So uh, Nayeli and Celine be talking to them, sign up online, 
and uh, we want to get that organized, get that going. Does that sound good? Come on, you guys. We're partying today. I need you to wake up. Yeah, and get going. Get that coffee in you. All right. Hey, uh, a few things that um, I want to highlight, some celebrations, some family kind of stuff that, that we just want to celebrate. One is, uh, Laura Lee, why don't you come up? Uh, one of the things I want to celebrate is um, just swag. And that's one of the first things as we kind of relaunch as a church, get behind as far as loving people that God's called us to love that are in difficult situations. And so why don't you come over here? We got to be centered on camera. So this is the center. So we're right scooting a little bit more. There we go. All right. Um, share as far as just what the signups have been like and, and just how we're doing as a church as far as supporting this cool organization. Um, signups have been great. Um, I'm really stoked that we did this whole um, Amazon wish list thing. So many of you have ordered through there. Um, we've got, I don't know, I've gotten like 25 packages, but I mean with multiple things in them. Um, so we've got... And we've got lots of like um, jackets that, um, you know, lightly used jackets, but lots of new stuff. So I'm super excited. Um, you guys saw the pictures on Facebook this week, I'm sure. Um, and things are still coming in. So um, I've talked with the um, volunteer coordinator at SWAG and she's super excited. Um, and I'm just glad that we get to bless the homeless in this way this winter. Give yourselves a hand, you guys. This is what it's about. This is what we want to do. Being involved, being a light, encouraging people you don't know. And we're hoping to get someone from Swag here to, to say thank you and, and share more about uh, the ministry. So there's always practical ways, uh, again, to uh, be God's hands and feet. And we're doing that. So it's just really cool. Um, the other thing that was cool is, literally, uh, obviously, we meet and talk. Um, and she's on staff. And uh, you don't know this yet because I haven't shared it publicly. But a lot as far as with the VIPs and with staff is we've kind of re, uh, reworked a little bit our purpose statement. We felt like the old one was a little bit too like flower child, 1960s, faith, hope, love. Like it was too flowery and we couldn't grab onto it. We wanted some words that we could really grab onto. And so um, we've kind of changed it. It's still biblically grounded and all that, but it's Access Church exists. This is why we exist because we always want to be reminded of this. Um, we exist to train and encourage people to experience God um, to, uh, and that means through his word, through prayer, but we live to experience God, not just to read the Bible, get some knowledge and move on. So that Bible time, that quiet time, that listening to God and speaking to him, that's an experience. So we want to train and encourage you to experience Jesus. We want to train and encourage you to exemplify Jesus to one another. The Bible calls it love, but sometimes love is too flowery. Like, well, yeah, I kind of love and it feels good. And all that. No, no, no. We want to exemplify Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus is the fullness of God's love. And so we want to learn to exemplify Jesus to one another, how he treated people, how he interacted, how he forgave, how he overlooked certain things, how he was humble, how he persevered. We want to do that with one another. We want to train and encourage each other to do that. So we want to uh, experience Jesus. We want to exemplify Jesus. And then we want to express Jesus missionally. That We want to be an expression of Jesus to the world, of his love, of his truth, of his hope. And so those are the three words that we're kind of focused on. And we are talking this week, and I just wanted literally to share with you and it's an encouragement for her. It's an encouragement to you as far as what does this look like when we experience Jesus? Because you had a really encouraging week. And just what it did for you as far as your time with Jesus, your experience with him, and what that did for you. So I just want you to share a little bit with the uh, with the church what that was like. The experience? Okay. The experience. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Lately, I've been feeling a little um, spiritually stale, I guess you can say. Um and so I've just been praying to the Lord the past couple of weeks that he would really speak to me um, 
kind of like how he used to um, when I was really into the word and really inspired. And so um, on Wednesday, I woke up and I had a dream that um, my neighbor's pool, all the water like came out of her pool and rushed through my backyard. And um, it just wiped out and destroyed everything in my backyard. Um, and then I went into my house and when I came out, there was brand new everything, um, including brand new furniture, which I thought was super ugly in the dream. Um, but it was a gift from this guy from my past and his name is Luke. Um, and then I went back into my house where my mother was talking to this woman, Layla, um, about Luke. And so I just felt like, um, the L Lord was telling me that he is going to do things in my life. And cause like the Holy water usually can represent like the Holy spirit. Um, and a backyard represents something that's private and personal. It's kind of reserved for family or friends. And I've been praying earnestly for my family and friends. And so I felt like the Lord was telling me the Holy Spirit's going to do something and he's going to um, be there for me, for my family, the way I've asked. Um, but with the furniture being ugly, he's like, it's not going to look like how you think it should look like, but don't discard it because it's a gift from Jesus. Um, and so I was like, okay, Lord, um, and then with my mom talking to like, oh, and the other thing is the guy who gave me the new furniture, his name is Luke. And if you look up the name Luke, it means light and Jesus is the light. So it's a gift from Jesus. Um, and so with my mom talking to Layla about Luke, my mom is the matriarch of my family. And so in a dream, when you have um, someone who's an authority, um, it's usually can represent God or Jesus. And so I felt like my mom was representing God talking about the light and Layla's name if you look it up means night so talking about bringing light to the darkness which i thought was interesting because he was talking in um, john um, 1 4 through 5 about how um, jesus is the light and the darkness can't extinguish it and so i just felt like um the lord was telling me all these things that he's going to be there work in my family he's going to take out the old bring in the new um, which i also th thought was interesting because this all happened on the eve of my 16 year anniversary of my sobriety from crystal meth. And um, thank you. And um, so I felt like God was showing me, look at, I have changed things before and I'm going to do it again. I am still here. I'm working in your life. Um, and so I was just super encouraged about what he has um, planned next for me, even if it doesn't look like I think it should. <laughs> even with the ugly furniture. Some of us can identify with that. What's, what's that just done for your week as far as all of us go through those times where we feel dry, right? Whether it's a few days, a few weeks, or we go through a few years. But you know what that's like? What was that like as far as just really kind of pushing and spending time with God, letting him as far as really thinking about just the different way he speaks through the word, you know, within your dreams and things like that? Um, what did it do for you this week? Um, it, it was super exciting. I felt like I was on cloud nine again. I was talking to people. Um, I was talking to you. I was talking to other friends like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the Lord is speaking to me and being able to share it with people and then other people sharing with me their dreams and um, what they see. Um, it, it just excites me. I, I love being there with Jesus. Um, it, it's just such a cool experience. It's so fun to partake with him. It's so fun to do things with him when you're truly pressing in and listening to him. So I'm just I'm excited to be here again. This is what I want to encourage with as a church. For some of us, this is completely foreign. And some of you right now are like, I can't even imagine that. But this is what I want to remind you of. We want to encourage you and train you that Jesus wants to interact with you personally. He really does. And so to, to press into that 
and to that should be the norm for us, not like, oh, every three years <laughs> I kind of hear from God or I speak to God. And so um, just be praying for Laura Lee as God's just been filling her, encourage her. And also notice, too, that when we experience Jesus, how much it encourages us to encourage others and to interact with others. And when we don't, we tend to withdraw from those we love and from other people. He gives us the energy. He gives us that light. And it's just super encouraging because you pumped me up. We talked, and then I was on fire. And it just it keeps going. And so, nope, you're done. So anyway, no, yeah, go ahead. I also just want to say um, with dreams, it always has to be backed up by Scripture. I've got like four scriptures that back up everything in my dream um, with the darkness to light with the John one through four. Um, there was um, quick, I had a couple scriptures. Um, Matthew 5, 14 through 15 says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then just puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house, which is what I felt like the Lord is you know, going to use me with. And in Acts 26, 18, it says, yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Um, and so I'm just telling Lord, yes, I'm here. Send me. I'm here to do your will. I'm here to do your work. So, um, again, we always have to back these things up with scripture. Um, I just wanted to remind that. Well, this is where we follow too. just, you know, the Bible says to test all prophecies. So just because someone says, I heard from the Lord, we don't just run with it. Be like, oh, OK, because it's one of those things we're human. So it might be like, eh. And so God, just so you know, when he speaks to one, he usually speaks to a community and his word always aligns with scripture. So he's never going to use a dream or do something. And it's like, that's not even biblical. It's like, that's just not it. But everything you've said and when we talked, it was just neat to confirm it's like this is. So. And that's what I do. Um, I'll talk with Jesus first about what he, te- what he wants to say to me about the dream. And then I'll talk to other people that I know and I'll t- tell them the dream without telling my perspective. And they'll tell me what they think. And sometimes there's things that are confirming that I that the Lord has already revealed to me. And then there's things that I didn't think about. So, um, yeah, you always have to um, discuss it with others. A little caveat there, but it was neat. It was super encouraging. I know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And here's the reality is some of us will go through this life and our dreams will never be a way that God communicates to us. Some of us right now are very encouraged for us like, oh, I never wanted to share that because I thought people would think I'm weird or things like that. And so we'll just we want to acknowledge the different ways that. Uh, we're going to experience you. So just super cool. And just, I love working with you, this kind of stuff too. And so, um, yeah, so just give her a hand. Thank you, Laura Lee, for sharing. Ryan and Caleb, come on up. We have something to celebrate as family too. Was it his birthday, Caleb, your birthday last week? You're not too excited about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's tough getting old. I know. I know you're feeling like, man, I'm getting old in life. Here, you you stand right here. Your dad will be on the other side. You're right here because I'm going to give you something. So um, so how old are you? 14. 14. Great time of life. And you decided it was actually on your birthday, something special, right, to get baptized? It was before, like two days before. Okay. So, but that's something that you wanted to do kind of around your birthday, make that commitment. So um, so we're super stoked for him. What kind of, uh, and even hearing just, Ryan, for you as a dad, because it's a special thing as a family, we just want to know, um, as a church family, like, kind of what was going through your head and heart? Like, why now? You know, you've grown up in a Christian home, which has its advantages and sometimes the disadvantages, you know, as far as really that relationship with Jesus. But kind of what it meant to you and why you decided to get baptized. It'd be cool to hear. Well, um, Jesus has been close to me all the time, of course, because in the family. And... The Young Life, it's a organization that reaches out to middle school and high school kids. And my parents run it, and it does, like, 
clubs every week to just like get closer to Jesus. And they have summer camps and winter camps and the summer camp in my sixth grade two years ago or like a year and a half ago. (laughs) Um, I really got close to God there and decided I want to give my life to him and live for him. And then quarantine came and just like God stuck with me the whole time. And and I got closer to Jesus there. And then what's funny, my mom asked Jameson, who's over there, who's over there have you ever gotten baptized? <laughs> Jameson wants to acknowledge. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, she asked him, have you ever been baptized? And I heard it. And I was like, I want to be baptized. So then like a few days after, she asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday. And I was like, I want to get baptized. And yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like for you as a, as a dad? Um, and, uh, just to see that, to experience that what was kind of going through your head and heart just as a parent. Say hello to everybody. Hello everybody. So it, obviously it's, um, for us as parents, like the, the greatest, um, when they give their life to, to the Lord and they say that I want to follow him. I mean, that commitment in and of itself is, is just brings a lot of rest to our hearts and, and that sort of thing. So to get baptized um, is just another example of them wanting to um, just they're they're showing us that they want to live by his example. And since he got baptized, then in their hearts, they're saying, I should get baptized, too. If Jesus got baptized, then let me get baptized and I'll tell the world that I'm following Jesus kind of thing. And so, I mean, it, it's just more confirmation for us. It was good. It was different this time because I did the baptism by myself. I usually is like somebody from church that gets to do it. But there was like an urgency that seemed to be there. So we're like, okay, we got water in our backyard. So let's do it, you know. So it was it's an honor, you know, to be a part of it that way. But our hearts are, are, are um, full with the faith of our kids. And so um, it's I mean, it's just cool to be part of it. I got to be part of it for the the other ones too, but somebody that is better theology theologically than I am got to be there. So I was like, okay, this is legit. <laughs> By faith, this one was legit too. So thank you. Here's what I like to do is we want to celebrate these things. There's a big deal in in life. I like the elders to come up. Uh, Justin, Ephraim, Jose. Um, we have a journal that you guys. Because you invest in the church, we got them. So this is from all of us as a church. Uh, and we just hope this encourages you that you can just write your heart out and that um, that God speaks to you. So you're not just writing your words, but maybe words that he wants to speak through you. And that as you look back over the years, this will encourage you. So I don't know if you journal, uh, but hopefully, yeah, you better start or I'm going to be angry. And I told him there's no money in here. This is all I get. So, you know, he's not going to shake it out. That, that's all you get. But um I'd just like you be surrounded by um, leaders and men in the church. And um, if you want to want to pray, and, and I'll wrap it up. So um, why, don't, why don't you kick it off? And then um, one of these guys or a couple will grab the mic, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. But you want to just pray for them? Sure. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for just the wonderful opportunities to share our faith with others. Um, and uh, when it's so close to home and our kids come to faith and it's their faith and not not the parents, um, it, it just seems true. And it just seems um, um, more confirmation that uh, that they're in it with you when they get baptized. Um, 
We just thank you so much that you love us enough to reach out and, I don't know, hand us your grace and uh, your mercy and that you love so well, even when we sometimes are very unlovable, Lord. And, um, and I'm glad that, uh, and I'm grateful that, uh, that you've brought this faith, this kind of faith to my son. Yeah, Jesus, you're the best. God, we bless you and we praise you. God, for calling each of us. God, for calling this guy to give his life to you, God. God, I pray that you would continue to call him and his family. God, I pray that you would you would make yourself known to him as a father, God, and as Lord and as his friend. God, that you would comfort him and lead him. God, as he grows into a man, that you would continue walking with him and calling him every day. God, I pray that you would use him to show other people what you're like, God, that he would introduce you to the people in his life that don't know you. God, I pray that you would speak to him, God, either with words or with your word or with dreams or however, God, I pray that he would be somebody that hears from you, God. God, thank you so much. God, for calling each of us. God, we, we bless you for that. In Jesus' name. Jesus, uh, we just thank you that we get to celebrate, that we're encouraged by his faith, that he reminds us that we die to ourselves and we rise anew in you, and that you use 40-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 5-year-olds um, to encourage the church. And we're just thankful for his step of faith. And I pray, God, that this would mark now not just a faith in you, but a ministry for you. And that his life would be fruitful. That he would carry on the, the legacy of his parents and for all the kids in his family, Lord. That they would continue and greater things would be ahead uh, of the foundation that they built. And so um, we're just encouraged. And we pray that you would fill him up and anoint him. And that um, your grace would be sufficient. He would not put an expectation on the shoulder. He would not try to now, you know, do more than, than what you required of him. But he could just kind of rest in you. And, um, and so we just, uh, thank you. We thank you for today and we pray you use now the word of God to continue to encourage us in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Man. Yeah. Awesome. Super stoked. Yeah. Yeah. If you have your Bibles, um, you can click on or open up to John chapter one. We are going through this book and I don't know if you're enjoying it, but we're going to take our time. Usually our series go from like eight weeks. This could be eight years. Um, but the whole goal is to get up close and personal with Jesus. It's not to read the book of John. It's to get up close and personal with Jesus. And already we're jumping into that uh, right from uh, the beginning. Um, last week we looked at Jesus as logos or logos and light and how what that meant, if you listen to the sermon last week, if not, you can go online or through your app, but um, John was establishing the divinity of Jesus. And today we're going to look at the humanity of Jesus, but he first wanted to establish that Jesus is God and how that impacts our life. That's important that we believe that and that we can actually draw close to him because of that and we understand who he is. But also there's a humanity part. He's a human. He's a person. Um, the divinity of Jesus brings us to worship and obey Jesus because he's greater than we are. But the humanity of Jesus brings redemption and relationship. That's why it's so important that both of these are a part of your theology. Theology just means the, the study of God, biology, right? 
uh, all these ologies, theologies, a study of God so I can really know him, not so I have a bunch of facts about him. You can see how good he is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That makes sense what the psalmist said because God is not afraid for you to know him, that as you know him, you're drawn into him because of who he is. And so his divinity causes us to worship and obey. He's not like us. He's greater. His ways are not our ways. This is what draws us to sing and to take communion and to cry and to say that he is so great and yet we're so loved. But there's a humanity part of him too that brings us into redemption relationship because he's so great and sometimes that greatness, I don't know if I can be close to it. He's so pure. He's so good. He's so loving that it can almost drive me away. But then the humanity part of him where he can understand us and he knows us. He's walked in our shoes. There's an empathy there and it draws us into relationship. But also there's a reason why he needs to be a human being. It's important we understand that because without that, there's no redemption. And we know this to be true just even in life like when it comes to superstars or people that are that are powerful there's something that we're in awe of them but we're not really close to them but we like kind of getting inside information on them right that's why the billion dollar industry of the gossip thing on online right we like to know you know uh what do they eat and what are the what are the home like and you know does their do they wake up and is their hair as messy as we are and are they tired and what do they really look like without makeup do they have bags under their eyes and when they do we celebrate yes they're human too and they're not as beautiful as they look on Instagram like we like that right and and so and if we're guys we're into athletes it's like you know are they like us and do they you know put on their pants like we do and and we we actually like that there's something in I remember uh, there's this golfer Phil Mickelson very popular golfer Tiger Woods obviously super popular well. Phil Mickelson uh, pretty much played second place to him while Tiger was winning everything. That's who Phil Mickelson was. Great golfer. I remember that uh, a friend of mine um, saw him at Del Taco in Oceanside. And we, we got a text, come to Del Taco now, Phil Mickelson. We're like, what? Now, if he would have said like some other Joshima, a friend of ours, you know, hey, Bill's at Del Taco. Come join us. And I'm like, I'm working because I was working just down the street. I don't care about Bill. I know Bill. Bill's just like me. Phil Mickelson, he can hit a little white ball a long way. So what did I do? A dude that can hit a little white ball a long way. I got in the car. Stopped. I was working. Stopped working. And I didn't like Del Taco. Now I love Del Taco. Went in and was ordering and looking at him and just staring at him. I was ordering my food. Del Taco became like a shrine, right? That's where, so we just wanted to eat there because maybe we would then golf like Phil Mickelson if we ate Del Taco, right? But it, it, what, here's the interesting thing is we sat down and he actually, more and more people, the, the whole restaurant started filling up. So word got around. He left pretty quickly. But this is how lame we were and lame I still am. He was eating his taco and we were giddy. We're like, oh my God, look at the way he eats his taco. <laughs> Like, it was crunchy and falling all over the place. Like, he doesn't even know how to eat a taco. Like, food all over him. We're like, he's just like us. Like, he looks ugly eating a taco. We were talking about a guy eating a taco. And it was kind of cool. Like, we felt connected to him. Like, he was our best friend, even though we annoyed him and he left, right? But we felt connected. Like, Phil's our friend. He goes to Del Taco just like we do. In the same way, the humanity of God draws us in as far as Jesus got tired just like we get tired. Jesus got frustrated just like we get frustrated. 
when you get frustrated with your kids, moms, you're at home, they're driving you nuts, read John. Well, there's times where Jesus said, how long must I stay with them? That's Jesus with some humor saying, these guys are annoying me, God the Father. Like, let me get back to heaven. These guys are annoying me. Jesus got annoyed. Jesus got tired. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got sad. Jesus grieved. Jesus was abandoned. Jesus had good friends who betrayed him. Jesus had good friends who didn't understand him. Jesus started a ministry. I don't know if you've ever started something. You're excited, and it didn't go maybe the way you wanted, where it grew, and then it went back down. Same thing happened to Jesus. The crowds went to thousands, and then it went back down to hundreds. He was human. Jesus had to listen to his mom. As a teenager, it says that he was at church. He wanted to be there. She took off to go back home, realized that he wasn't around, went back, and he's like, well, where else would I be? Give him a little smart aleck teenage response, right? And mom's like, get back home. And even the son of God listened to his mom. There's an interaction there. There's a difference of opinions, and he followed what mom wanted to do. This humanity brings us into relationship him, but we're also going to see it brings us into redemption. John wants to highlight the divinity of Jesus and humanity, and that's what we're looking at today. John chapter 1, here we go. John 14. It says, the word became flesh. That word is logos and logos, right? We looked at that last week. So the word is divine, but here's what's crazy. The divine entered into humanity. The word became flesh. This would make sense to a Greco-Roman thinking. Again, he's writing primarily to kind of Greco-Roman thinkers where they believe that their gods could kind of go back and forth and a little bit of spirit, a little bit of flesh. And so what he's, again, he's showing Jesus is greater than your gods. All these thousands of gods you worship, they're like him, but they're not him. And he's greater. He's greater in his divinity, but he's also greater in his humanity. And why? Because the gods, the Greco-Roman gods, those guys sinned. It's just they were powerful, so you couldn't do anything about it. Where Jesus is going to show where he was human, but he never sinned. He showed us perfection. He showed us the best way to live and how we're designed to live ultimately. Where the gods, they didn't do that. They acted like other human beings where they deceived and they lied and did all these different things, right? So again, he's comparing that Jesus is greater than all. The word became flesh and made his dwelling. If you want to circle or underline dwelling, that Greek word actually means to pitch a tent or tabernacle. He pitches the tabernacle. Now, again, some of these Christians, they're going to understand the Old Testament. This should take you back to Exodus, if you want to write this down, Exodus 33. Because how did God interact with his people? There was a temple. There was a tabernacle. There was a, it was a tent back then in Exodus 33. It wasn't fully built yet. It was a tent. And if you have tents, does anybody still tent camp anymore? Is that, are those days gone? A few of you hardcore, right? Yeah. The rest of us, it's kind of like, eh, I did back in the 80s. I'm done, though, right? Now I want the air conditioning. But it was literally a tent. And that's how God interacted. But God didn't directly interact with his people because he was holy. They were sinful. And Jesus' blood hadn't been shed yet. And so they did animal sacrifices. And Moses was the mediator. So Moses would go into the tent. And he would talk to God. Exodus 33 says, like a friend talks to another friend is how God would talk to Moses. And then Moses would talk to the people. But that's how God made his dwelling. But now it's the New Testament. And now Jesus is going to make his dwelling within us. And the Holy Spirit makes his dwelling within us. We're taking it to the next level. So God's not just hanging around. God is hanging within. The word became flesh and made his dwelling, the tent or the tabernacle, 
among us, and eventually it's going to be within us. This is the story of the gospel. This is the good news. This is how God works. It says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, this is important because, again, the Israelites couldn't see the glory of God. He was too glorious. They would keel over and die. So they couldn't fully see the glory of God. And what he's saying is they couldn't see it, but now we do. If you read about Jesus, if you experience Jesus, you are reading about and seeing the fullness of God. There's no other mystery. You're seeing the fullness of God through Jesus. If you want to know anything about God, you look at Jesus. What, is, what does he think about grace and forgiveness? What does he think about obedience? What does he think about heaven? What do he, Jesus is the fullness of it. And what he's saying is you see the glory of God, the greatness of God through Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John 15, then he goes on to say, now John testified concerning him. He's talking about John the Baptist, not himself. He cried out saying, there is one I spoke of when I, uh, about when I said, he comes after me and has surpassed me because he was before me. This is important because remember, uh, we talked about cult leaders. And there's a lot of cults back then. And there's still cults today. And so this is significant. Just you know why John's putting this in here is if you'll notice, even today, cult leaders tend to self-proclaim, don't they? And they tend to do it away from people and they draw into the people, right? They usually have some experience out in the desert somewhere or somewhere and they have this amazing experience. And then they tell people, I'm sent by God or I am God. That's what they do. And this is where Jesus is being shown where he doesn't self-proclaim. He's proclaimed by other people first. He's not the one promoting himself. Other people say he is the son of God. And then Jesus just says, it's true. And so he does it different. Again, it's validating Christianity because Jesus didn't self-proclaim. Others proclaimed first. They recognized him as God before he even proclaimed that he is God. In verse 16, it says, out of his fullness, or that word could be abundance translated, out of his fullness or abundance, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Again, we're going back to the Old Testament. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What he's saying is the law is not enough because none of us can fully obey the law. We need the grace and truth of Jesus. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who himself God, uh, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So rich, so powerful as we get up close and personal with Jesus. The divinity of Jesus, we worship that and we obey him because he's higher than us. But the humanity of Jesus draws us in. There's two passages that really exemplify the impact of this. How does this impact, like, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Jesus being a human being, how does that impact your life? And it's like, I don't know, it's kind of cool, I guess. Does it really impact? I want to sh- unpack today in just the next few minutes why I believe you knowing this and thinking about this and drawing into this will change your life. Two passages we're going to look at, Philippians chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 2. So they, they explain a little bit more of what John has introduced to us. So Philippians 2, 3 through 8 and Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. You can write these down and then maybe read them this week and kind of just like, marinated in it and, and kind of let Jesus really speak to you through these passages. So th- these are going to explain more what John has introduced to us. Philippians 2 says this, verses 3 through 8. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. We could stop there, but we won't. 
but he unpacks this. Then how do I live a life that's not selfish and doesn't try to impress others? And the thing is, all of us live in this realm. Why did all of us fix our hair, dress up somewhat, some of us better than others, but we all look pretty decent. There's something at the core that I don't want people to look at me being like, eh. like even me, I, I had a shirt this morning that, that was wrinkly and I sprayed it to, I don't know what it's called, but Revive, that's right. And it unwrinkled, but it was wrinkly. I'm like, nah, that looks a little, I don't want people thinking like, man, is that guy homeless? Like what, what do we need to, what's going on? Are we paying this guy? Like, right. So I put on a different shirt and, and it's not sinful, but I want to, there's something to impress that you like me or it's okay, right? We all do that. And he says, no, 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 don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. That's not the life, the way God's designed human beings. That's us at our worst. What's us at our best? Be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out for your, uh, only for your own interests. And by the way, humility is not thinking through your interests. Some of us think I'm humble by never thinking about myself. That's being stupid. Humility is where you don't only think about yourself, but you also think about others and as more important than your own interests. So you still have your own interests, okay? So he says, in humility, think of other interests too. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Here we go. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. If we end the story there, that's horrible. Why would you create someone and then kill someone? Okay, but this is where God's ways, not our ways. Look at, there's more to the story. He says, therefore, because Jesus lived with humility, God elevated him to a place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord. Here's what we see with Philippians. Why Jesus, the humanity of Jesus is important. It's this. That our eternal glory depends on our earthly humility. Our eternal glory depends on our earthly humility. The best way to live as a human is where you don't elevate yourself, but you allow God to lift you up because he can lift you up higher than you can lift yourself. When you look to your interests, my money, my time, what people think about me, my friendships, how they treated me, what they're doing, it's the lowest form of a way to live. Jesus showed us that the greatest way to live is to think less about yourself, more about others, and the highest about God. And as you humble yourself and just trust him, do what he says, even if you disagree, what does he ask you to do? That you're a servant to him, that's the highest form of human living. When he says, don't do this, go do that. So many times I find that we, when we disagree with God, that we think it's this equal argument. Well, you need to explain yourself. Well, I like that part of what you say, but I don't like that part. And here's what happens. We don't fully live our human lives to our human potential and the way to love and the way to relate. We never get to that place in life where it's truly rich and significant. We really live like the world and that's lacking. The reason Jesus came and him being a human is this. He shows us the template of how to live the best life possible. And that when you humble yourself, God lifts you up higher than you can lift yourself. And not just on this earth, but for eternity. His humanity is important because it's a template for us. If you want to know how to live, don't just read the history of other people who have been successful in life. 
read about Jesus. He'll show you how to live a good life where God lifts you up higher than you can lift yourself. Jesus shows us how to interact with our parents, with our friends, our coworkers, with people who are enemies of you, who don't like you. And most of all, he shows you how to, as a human being, how to interact with God the Father and how to draw into him. The other passage that really shows us the importance of the humanity of Jesus is Hebrews chapter 2, 14 through 18. A very important passage. It says this, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to fear of dying. So here's the thing. Jesus needed to become a human because divinity, someone who's divine, they can't die. He had to become human because there was consequences. Someone had to pay the penalty for our rebellion. And God didn't want us to pay. So Jesus, only a human being could die because God is forever. So he had to, just so you wonder why, like why did Jesus become a human being? Because God can't die. But as he emptied himself and he became a human being, though his soul is eternal, his body isn't. And so he took the form so that he could pay the penalty for our sins. It was the only way. Because God, as much as he's loving, God is also just. He doesn't play favorites. He doesn't look over sin and be like, eh, that's all right. That's not that big of a deal. The Bible says that all sin, the consequences for all sin, small sin, big sin, doesn't matter what it is, all of it's death. That's the consequence for all sin. And so he fulfilled the justice of God, the wrath of God, the Bible says. He fulfilled it by laying down his life, but he also conquered it by rising again, the divinity and the humanity of Jesus, both at play. So he had to become a human being. Jesus had to come at the perfect time in history to do that. So it says that also because of this, in verse 16, we also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and high faithful priest, that he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Let me read that again. This is the beauty of the humanity of Jesus. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. This impact of the humanity of Jesus is not that he just shows us the best way to live. The other thing he does for us, and the reason why John wants us to understand the humanity of Jesus, is that he bears the consequences and the burden of our sins, and he's overcome through his humanity. He overcomes it. And so our redemption comes because of him being a human, of humbling himself. And so we celebrate that. That's why we take communion. It reminds us that it wasn't fake that when he went to the cross, it was real blood. It was real flesh that got torn up. And it was real love. It was very sacrificial love. That's why we always take communion every week. Doesn't that draw you into an an affection for Jesus when you realize what he went through because he loves you, so you don't pay the consequence. We don't pay the consequence of our own rebellion. The other thing, though, that Hebrews shows us is that he doesn't just save us, but his humanity helps us to relate with him. That Jesus can empathize with you, and you can 
draw into him because he knows what it's like to be tired, to be frustrated. He knows what it's like to have difficulty in relationships. He knows what it's like to have Satan come after you and to try to tempt you and to try to draw you away. Any of you been through spiritual battles where you feel like, man, I'm going through the dark of night. Jesus says, I've been there. Any of you have had difficulties with people, conflict, things that didn't get resolved. Yeah, he was there. Any of you been through financial crisis? Yep, he was homeless. So if you've been homeless, you've been in a car, Jesus is like, I know that's exactly what it's like. There's nothing that you can go through that Jesus doesn't understand. How cool is that to have a God that's not only all-powerful and all-knowing, but he has amazing empathy and understanding for you. That's a God like no other. This is why John one's so important, because he's drawing people in. Remember, John wrote this, right, so that you would have hope and that you could truly understand and follow God. And what he's saying is, this is the God I want to present to you. Before you become obedient to God, know who he is. He is divine. He is mighty. He is powerful. And that causes to worship and obey and trust. But we can also relate and draw in. That when you sin, you don't run away from Jesus. You draw in because he understands how difficult it is. Temptation is rough. Our flesh is difficult. Satan is tricky. And so you don't run away from you drawing to him because he is the one who can help you the most. More than a book, more than a pastor, more than your leader, more than your parents, Jesus can help you the most. His humanity draws us into relationship and to redemption, and that encourages us. Everything we've been through, he's been through. So John 1 sets this up. Before we talk about obeying God and following God, does this give you a full picture of who Jesus is? Does this inspire us as far as make time for him during the day? If he's your number one help, you might want to draw to him before you talk to a friend. Does this make sense as far as where you don't have to go away in guilt? Why we take communion? Some of you are like, I can't take that communion. Brian, this week I've done this and that. And he goes, I already know it. I've seen it. I've experienced I know how hard it is. And he still loves you. And the Bible says that he primarily can help you. This is Jesus, the divinity, the humanity, and this draws us in. He came at a perfect time in history to do this. Some of us might wonder, like, why did he come a few thousand years? Like, why didn't he come today? Or why, why did he do that back then? It was a perfect time in history. I don't know if you know this, but when Jesus came and he was declared the Messiah, that there had already been five or six, about the last 50 years before Jesus came, five or six men that claimed to be the Messiah. I don't know if you know that. We had revolts, and we can read about in history books. Israel was hungry for a Messiah. But also, it was the perfect time, too, because they could not implement the death of Jesus. Only the Roman government could. So when God sent Jesus, it was the perfect time in human history of the Roman government would execute that it was okay to, to sacrifice him. And the Jews were the ones that, when they heard about him, that he wasn't a political savior, they were the ones that were going to willingly sacrifice him. John talks about this in John chapter 10, where Jesus says, The Father and I are one. Again, Jesus saying, I am divine. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. And Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I've done many good works. For which one of you are going to stone me? What have I done, he says. And they replied this. This is what the leader said. We are stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. Blasphemy. You are a mere man claiming to be God. 
Even the Jews recognized his humanity and his divinity, and they killed him for it. But this is what must happen so that we can live a life where there's no more shame, there's no more guilt, there's no more fear of death, there's nothing hanging over us, that we can now live fully the lives that God has called us to live because of who he is. Remember what I said last week. We don't have an airtight argument with Christianity. We have what? An airtight person. John 1, the divinity and humanity of Jesus. This is what inspires us for the rest of the book to trust and follow him. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 